It is Friday, May 12th. I'm Scott Seidenberg. And I'm AJ Hoffman. The Celtics force a game seven. And Phoenix is no more. Here comes the Vegas truth. This is straight out of Vegas. We are straight out of Vegas AM, your daily destination for sports conversation with a Vegas lean. Here's what you need to know to start your day. KD and Devin Booker, whoosh, gone. The Celtics force a game seven against the Sixers. And the Kraken go over again. The Kraken uh, star series. It's a that's Every time God's these gift. two teams play. It's God's gift, play. isn't it? Over, over, over. <laughs> what is the Vegas lead, Scott? We can talk about the Stanley Cup. Playoffs, no, we, if you we shouldn't like, start with that. Maybe. All right, maybe like in a couple of minutes, I can talk about it. Yeah, eventually right. we'll get to it. But let, let's start. W- you know what? Let's start with the uh, the Suns, since it's the last time we'll talk about the Suns until next season. Uh, did you see this coming? I didn't see this coming. I didn't see. You could have told me the the Nuggets win last night, and I would have said okay. You tell me the Nuggets. Pulled the Suns' pants down on the court <laughs> and spanked them with a paddle in front of everybody. I would have said, uh, I doubt it. Thank you, sir. May I have another? Uh, but, maybe we should have because, as Mackenzie pointed out to us in a, in a text message last night, Monty Williams is now zero and five straight up and ATS when facing elimination, and the cover margin is well over. Minus double digits. Like, it's minus 16. It's probably even greater. I didn't do the math last night, but it's it's bad. Like, they don't just lose. They get blown out. I mean, l- last night, w- like, there's no other word to describe it but blow out. Lose by 20 at home, yeah, like, 20-plus like, at home. It's embarrassing. Jokic, uh, triple-double. Um, this was this was a, a mem- like, certainly a legacy game for him. Uh I'll tell you who didn't have a legacy game is Devin Booker. And Devin Booker, the day after the All-NBA teams are announced, Mm -hmm. remember a year ago he was first-team All-NBA. This year he doesn't make it, and the thought was, well, he didn't make it because he missed a lot of games. Although literally everybody missed a lot of games. Like LeBron made it. He missed a lot of games. Dame Lillard, Lillard, I don't know if he even plays basketball anymore. (laughs) He made it. But Devin Booker was about as bad as he could possibly be. Four of 13 from the field, 12 points, minus 27 when he was on the floor. Yep. Uh, you know, KD did his thing, but a 125-100 win for the Nuggets. And th- you think about it. Like, this is a team that kind of went all in with the KD mm-hmm. thing. They, they pushed a lot of chips into the middle of the table. So a couple of things that – people are obviously going to bring up. The first is Chris Paul injury again. Listen, he gets, he gets every year, every year he gets hurt. In the it's playoffs. clockwork. Yep. So he's out, doesn't play, you know, the, the bulk of this series and then losing Deandre Ayton for this game. Really? They had no size for, to, to compete with Jokic. He, he pretty much had his way last night. So the spread closed at Phoenix minus two. I I understand the reputation of KD and Booker. They didn't deserve to be favored, even with the home court, even playing with desperation. Here's the thing, though. You, you can argue that, oh, they didn't have eight and all you want. Jokic scored 32 points, which is uh, normal below his average yeah. Yeah. for this series. Like, he was like, oh, I'll, I'll take it easy tonight. Mm-hmm. None of Chris Paul couldn't have saved them. DeAndre Ayton couldn't have saved them. Charles Barkley and Kevin Johnson couldn't have saved them. This was an ass whooping. And I I think like people fell in love with the idea of what Phoenix could be. And I said this last year. I said this actually a lot. Like when, and Phoenix wasn't like the overwhelming favorite going into this thing. But you remember last year, the Brooklyn Nets were like looked at as. This force coming yeah. into the playoffs—it was like, all about potential. It was all about what they could be when they're healthy. But what happened? They they went into a te- they ran into a team that played together all year mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. got swept out of the playoffs. Yep. 
I think that I think we got uh, bamboozled by this Phoenix team of what on paper what this roster could be versus what it is. And the truth is, they this is a team that if you said what's the biggest knock going into the playoffs, what's the biggest knock on Phoenix, you would have said depth. Depth mm-hmm. is a real issue because they literally traded half their team for KD. Yeah. So now Chris Paul gets hurt, DeAndre Ayton gets hurt. What do you need when you're missing two starters? Depth. Mm-hmm. Sorry, friends, we don't have that. Yeah, Bismack Biombo going, uh, being a minus twenty six when he's on the court. That's not gonna. That's not gonna do it for you. And to his credit, and it, like I'm, I'm shitting on it, but like, campaign played really well. Yeah, and campaign was the guy who who got the minutes when, it, like he, he's he's now a starter. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris Paul's out. Okay, Cameron Payne's in. He was actually the by far the best player on the Suns last night, but. Landry Shamit, Shamit, that's you're you're putting him in the starting. Let guys mm-hmm, get 37 mm-hmm. minutes. Yeah. You're not winning basketball games if Landry Shamit is getting 37 minutes. Sorry, friend. So it, Phoenix just I again, I think like the I we got like the sparkles started flying around KD's head, and you're mm-hmm. like, oh, what if KD remember KD was if he wore a smaller shoe, they would have won a title, blah, blah, blah. Don't be suckered. Like this team was just not as good. They, if they were that good, they would have been that good all year. That's like, a good point. Adding KD doesn't take you from being like the fifth best team in the West to an overwhelming title favorite. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make sense, especially when you're going against a team in the Nuggets. Who, I mean, it, it, like you talk about a team team. That's a team team. Mm-hmm. They, like these are guys who have played together, have functioned together all year. Uh, a lot of credit to that team who I was hesitant to get behind. And I've said, call me when they win something meaningful. They look like they've got a good chance to win something meaningful. So you would take the Nuggets over the Lakers or the Warriors in the next round? I'll take the Nuggets over the Lakers. Not the Warriors. If the Warriors find a way, Mm -hmm. which, again, I think, I mean, the Warriors are dogs for a reason. Yeah. If the Warriors find a way, I think they'll find a way against the Nuggets. Like mm-hmm. I, I really do. Although, again, we've seen this in the in the Warriors series, the Warriors Lakers series. The Warriors have no answer for true size. The Warriors have no answer for AD other than like hitting him in the face with an elbow and sending him out of the arena in a wheelchair. Great move, by the way. Mm-hmm. But can how often is that repeatable? Like it would be interesting to see, you know, if we can get probably not because I think the Celtics are going to win Game Seven against the Sixers. But if we would have ever gotten uh, Joel Embiid. Jokic oh. NBA Finals because it, it is the return of the big man, right? And what have we seen? The MVP for the past several years has been a big man, and and that's the way that the Nuggets play. They play inside out, and that's rare these days in the NBA. But it's coming back around. But guess what? Seeing seeing the Nuggets and the Lakers, if those two match up in the Western Conference yeah, Finals, Davis as well, yeah, absolutely. That's two of the best big men in the league, yep. and. Uh, we'll get to Embiid here shortly, but yeah, I think that's it's no matchup to sneeze at if it's Jokic versus AD in the uh, the Western Conference Finals. So, congratulations to the Nuggets; they are the the first team to punch their ticket to the Conference Finals, uh, and the Phoenix Suns first team to go home in this round. Obviously, uh, again, the they were the, the pre playoff mm-hmm. favorite to win this thing. Uh, au revoir. Uh, as they say, the Nuggets are the in like second Mexico or something. The Nuggets are the second favorite to win the NBA title. Now even, they are, yeah. Even though that they are Celtics, one Celtics are the favorite. Yeah, it's it's absurd. Like, is it? It is. They're in the the conference finals. But the Celtics are a big favorite in Game Seven. So they the were a big favorite is, in Game Five and got smoked. I, under, I understand that, but the market is assuming. The Celtics will be in the Eastern Conference Finals. Here's what I'm going to say: seven and a half point favorites in Game Seven. Uh, let me say this about the market, and whether whoever wins Game Seven, it, like it, it's my opinion. It, it, I still like I'm not going to be able to like beat my chest and say I told you so. Mm-hmm. If the Sixers lose this series, but I told you so. This Celtics team is not some infallible God mode team. This is not last year's Celtics team. This like. This is a team with a first-year head coach. There's no Ime Udoka. There's no Brad Stevens. It's some guy who's coaching them. This is not the same squad. 
and they like the market refuses to see anything negative about Boston. They they look at Boston and go, no, they're infallible. Like, Although what? last night, I thought that Joe Mazzula did something smart, and he reverted back to what this Celtics team strength was last season in the playoffs, which is playing two bigs. And Robert Williams gets inserted into the starting lineup last night and contributes. He was a plus 18, and having and having him and Al Horford on the floor at the same time clogged the middle up for the Sixers, and there was a stretch in the first quarter. I know that uh, the Sixers ended the first quarter on a little bit of a run, but there was a stretch early on where the Sixers could not get any points in the paint because Robert Williams was there or Al Horford was there just making them redirect their shots. Um, They combined for three blocks, so it wasn't like a a big, huge defensive performance, but just the space that they clog made it difficult for the Sixers last night. I said Robert Williams, again, eight plus 18. He finishes with just 10 points, but he did what he needed to do in the 28 minutes that he was on the floor. He did, and it's a 95-86 Celtics win. First of all, Celtics win and cover under, which was Steve Fezzik's game of the year, uh, easy, easy under. Like it was a 214, 95 86 mm-hmm. is the final. Um, so a no, a no sweat game there. But to me, this boiled down to, and I, I don't want to take anything away from the Celtics here. So I'm not going to. But what I will say is the Celtics were in control of this game, like mid second quarter. Looks like they were going to run away with it. And then they stopped. Like the Celtics, they, they took, it was like a 15 minute span. The end of the second quarter, the beginning of the third quarter, where the Sixers were clearly better than them. And I said, oh, my, the Sixers have taken over this game. And if you look at the last six minutes of gameplay, five minutes, 57 seconds left on the clock, the score is 83-81 Philly. Jason Tatum, who stunk like you couldn't stink. Mm Mm-hmm. For the first, what, 40 minutes of this game? He missed 14 of his first 15 shots. He was, like, he was dreadful. He took two threes in about a 30-second span. Both of them hit. The Celtics got the lead and never never gave it up. And it went from 83-81, the final six minutes of that game, the Celtics outscore the Sixers 14 to three, three points in six minutes of game clock. Mm-hmm. It's I'm not saying it's all like, like there's there's no credit to be given to Boston there. The Sixers gave up a lot. They they missed a lot of open shots, and this is where I worry for Game Seven. James Harden looked like he quit late late in the game. No surprise, right? Like this no, is he, he was James, horrible. James Harden is like his mo is when things are going great, he's he's beating his chest, he's he's pulling his jersey to the side and pounding his chest and feeling good. When things start to go awry, he he quits. Mm-hmm. He's a quitter. He's a loser. Forty three minutes, thirteen points. Here's the bigger issue: when he quit and five turnovers, by the way, Joel quit. Four turnovers for Embiid. And I've never seen Joel quit. Mm-hmm. And that is very disheartening. There was a time, I think they were down, I think it was after Tatum made the second three, so they were down like five or six, five or seven points. And both those two guys were walking side by side, getting back up the court. Yeah, and I and said, Doris Burke was screaming. She was like, this game's not over. What yeah. are we doing yeah. here? Like, it almost felt like the Sixers like they, said, mi- they missed a shot. The Celtics got the rebound, and they both just kind of like it was like a minute thirty left, and, yes. they, and they, there's still time to like get a stop and come back and hit a three. But they we've just ta- gave up. We've talked about this a couple times, in, and we talked about it in the Lakers, uh, like when we were when we were handicapping the Lakers Warriors game. We've seen it a lot with teams up three one. Mm-hmm. If things start to go awry, they'll pull back and say, you know what. We got two chances to win this thing. That's what it felt like, except it's 3-2. Yeah. It's it, it's almost like the Sixers said, uh, we're up 3-1. And then, like, afterwards, like, someone broke them the news. Hey, you guys know 
you're only up 3-2. So now it's tied. And they were like, what? We thought we were up 3-1. We, like, we, we would have hustled a little. <laughs> I mean, it was, it's just atrocious. And it, you know, you, you've said this, and, and I've said this plenty. This is what, this is what James Harden does. Mm-hmm. And so, it, like, I was, I was not shocked one bit when things got tough to see James Harden pack it in. Joel Embiid packing it in, I did not expect. And I know we saw him on a, on a fantastic play where he, like, uh, he blocked a shot and then saved the ball to his teammate. Mm-hmm. He came up kind of lame and was, was that knee is bulky. And it, I think the fact is if the Sixers, even if they win this series, what, wherever the Sixers go going forward in these playoffs – they're gonna have to do it with Joel Joel Embiid dealing with a balky knee. That's just that is what it is. Here's here's but he he quit as well. Here's James Harden's just some numbers in the in losses in the three losses in this series, in the game two loss, zero of six from three point range, twelve points, in the game three loss, two of seven from three point range, sixteen points, in the loss last night, zero of six from three point range. 13 points. He was 0 for 4. That's not just from three-point range. That's he 0 for 2 from 3. 0 for 2, like, at the rim mm-hmm. uh, in the fourth quarter. Just it did not did not show up in clutch time. And, again, he's not a guy. Like, he, he's not the guy on that team, which is, again, I that's the only reason I'm giving the Sixers any hope here is because he's not the guy. Yeah, but when the defense locks in on Embiid and you need somebody to create a shot, you need a guard, you need somebody that's going to shoot a step back three. You need somebody that's going to create separation and drill a shot, and, you know, Harden's just going to flop to the ground and complain to the ref, and, and that's what happened last night. And this goes back to this was this was your chance. You played the Celtics at home, and you had a game where Tatum was, I won't say as bad as he could have been. He was as bad as he could have been for three and a half quarters. But Jalen Brown wasn't good either. Mm -mm. Like, this was a, this was a, a, a pretty shitty game for the Celtics, and they won by nine points. You can't let that happen. At home... Jason Tatum will be better. Jalen Brown will be better. I don't. I'm, I'm assuming they'll go with that same lineup. Although, you could make a good argument that Al Horford needs to sit for a while. Like it, he contributes in so many other ways, though. He's just, I guess so. They look at. I think they look at him as like if the same way Philly looks at PJ Tucker. Like we know you're not going to score. Yeah. Okay. We get it. Horford, it. Horford had 11 rebounds last night. He he just shoots a lot for a guy who yeah. sucks at shooting. <laughs> yeah. Um. And Tyrese Maxey was was good, really good in the first half and, and struggled a little in the second half. Um, I, it just feels like this was this was their big chance. This was a chance to, like, late in the fourth quarter, and I think I texted you, you and Mac, I was like, I'm going to be the NBA expert if, if the Sixers hold on here. Mm-hmm. This, and at that time, the Sixers were playing like they were the better team. They had confidence. They were, they were in control of the game. Not on the scoreboard. It was like a two- or three-point game on the scoreboard, but it felt like the Sixers were frustrating the Celtics. And when Jason Tatum hit those two threes, everything changed. And it's like as soon as those went in, Harden went, oh, here we go again. Mm -hmm. People are going to be talking about my legacy. People are going to be talking about I can't win. And he's right. And that's exactly what we're doing today, you know, 12 hours later, because – that's what he's earned. And the fact and the fact that his body language was what it was down the stretch and he played so poorly in the fourth quarter, he's he'll get any heat that comes his way is well deserved. And I stand by the fact that I what I said, the Sixers are the the gap between the Sixers and the Celtics is not as great as people thought it was at the beginning of these playoffs. Like remember they they were like when the Celtics and Bucks were like plus three twenty five, plus mm-hmm. three fifty, the Sixers were plus eleven hundred. That was absurd. They were not that far apart. This series has shown that, but I think written into that number was the Celtics feel like a team that can rise up in big moments, and James Harden consistently 
has gone into a shell in those moments. And unfortunately, really unfortunately for Philly, he dragged the MVP of the league into that muck with him yep. last night. So I, as someone who's said all along the Sixers are live in this series, I feel they are almost dead men walking going into Boston. Celtics, seven and a half point favorites, total down to 203 for game seven on <sighs> Sunday. That's too... I'd love to bet the under, and I, I I was with Fez on the under last night. Two oh three, that's that's a little that's that's too low for that's my low. blood. Uh, if you that's one of, in an NBA game, if you go to overtime, two oh three has no shot. Yeah, you, you're two, dead. Two fifteen, mm-hmm. you might have a shot. Two oh three, like that, that's like a. That's a high-scoring college game. Yeah, it's, a, it's definitely a market <laughs> adjustment. Let's talk about the uh, chance for the home teams to close out the series tonight. We'll start in Miami, where the Heat have a three games to two lead over the Knicks, and they are five-and-a-half-point favorites over New York tonight. Does Miami close it out? I, I think they close it out. I don't want to lay five-and-a-half. Uh, I wouldn't. I, I think that's a that, that number's a little bit high. Like, remember, the, the Heat are still the eighth seed. Yeah. Like, I, I'm with the market that the Knicks aren't good, but I'm against the market in that the Heat, like, they, the market says the Heat are good. I don't think they are either. I, I, these are two bad teams. So, two bad teams, one of them favored by five and a half without their second best offensive player. No thanks. Uh, it, it'll, I'll, I'll stay away from that one. The total, though, seems low. 208 and a half. I, I understand game sixes go under, but. Haven't we seen these two teams? I, I guess no. I guess they haven't really. We've seen some gone. low ones, I and mean, yeah. just that, that game six. The idea that it's a game six makes me makes me lean to the under. Yeah, I mean we've seen two oh nine, we've seen two sixteen, uh, then one ninety one was the really low one, two ten, and then the last game was two fifteen. So I mean, yeah, we we most of the games have gone over this number between these two teams. So a little little intrigued by how low it is for tonight. And then the the marquee game. Well, first, let, let me uh, throw out Jimmy Butler. Does this feel like a night where Jimmy Butler goes off? His, he has to. His prop set at 28 and a half points. It's too high. Too high? It's too high. Okay. Because he could still have 26 and have it be the big impact tonight. Okay. It, it is wild. Jimmy Butler is the one dude who averages 23 points per game in the regular season and in the playoffs. It's like, yeah, he hasn't scored more than twenty-eight this entire series. Twenty-eight's the most he's had in the series. Yeah, so that 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 number's too high. And plus, he's dealing with a little bit of an ankle. Well, and we've seen McKenzie's pointed this out multiple times. Star players go under, and Jalen Brunson bucked that trend last yeah, game yeah, yeah, certainly. Yeah. But Brunson twenty-seven and a half, Randall twenty-three and a half. That seems a little high. Butler twenty-eight and a half. Uh, and the, the second highest player on the Heat is Adebayo, 17 and a half. So the top two players we've seen consist like 60% go under their points props. Uh, Randall is the one that jumps out to me as one I'd like to go under 23 and a half. Uh, he just hasn't seen – like, nice game last time, but still doesn't feel like he's quite the force. And we've seen them defer to R.J. Barrett more in this series. So, Randall's a guy who, if I were looking for an under, Randall would be the, the way I'd look. Let's talk about the marquee matchup tonight, the Lakers and the Warriors, which continues to be a ratings uh, gift for the networks. The game five from the other night, was the most watched conference semifinal game five on any network in 11 years. These are 7.5 million viewers. I stand by this. The the Warriors and the Lakers are the two most public teams Mm -hmm. in the NBA. For the longest time, it was Lakers, Celtics, Lakers, Knicks, but like it's Lakers and Warriors. The Warriors are the second most popular team in the NBA. Like if you, if you did a nationwide poll, uh, so these two teams, people are, people want to see it. it. No wonder it's a big ratings hit, which makes me think the NBA would love to see a game seven. <laughs> They'd love to see a game seven. See, now that's the conspiracy theorist because 7.5 million viewers, most watched game five in 11 years. This will be the most watched game six in probably the same amount of time. If I'm at Uncle Lurch, Adam Silver, I would I would be. Uh, sure, It sure seems like a game seven would be good for everyone. I'd be looking down at everyone from, from on high and saying, guys, 
We need game seven. Plus, that game would be ABC on Sunday. Sunday? Yeah. No. No, it would be Sunday. It would be Sunday or Saturday. Well, I mean, today's Friday. They're not going to play on yeah, Saturday. No, you're right. It would be game, yes. game seven Sunday. Game seven Sunday, Mother's Day, ABC. Like, $7.5 million is nothing compared to what game seven on Sunday on ABC would do. Oh, it'd be killer. It would be killer. So The question is, though, is that, like, do you make it a late game? Because Sixers-Celtics game seven is also on Sunday. So do you make it? Can you go wrong? Can't, I mean, it's going to be an, an incredible yeah, You get night. those game sevens on Sunday, or you're happy. You're yeah, 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 yeah. You get two game sevens on a Sunday, you're extremely happy. So does that mean we like the Warriors plus the two and a half tonight? It's certainly the way I'd lean. I'm going to look at the under again. In a game six, we've talked about game six unders. 221 is about as high as you're going to get for, for a total in yeah. a game six. Um, so that's that's the way I would look. I've done pretty well attacking player props in this series. Uh, it feels like, and here's the thing: what's the what's the status of Anthony Davis? Like he he's playing. the 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 number certainly says that he's playing. The guy left in a wheelchair, mm-hmm. uh, it, like it, but it seems like he's avoided a concussion. Yeah, just just precautionary. The, the old precautionary wheelchair move. I love that move, uh, but. I, I think that if you are looking at LeBron James props, 26 and a half seems pretty high to me. They dropped it. A, oh, no, they raised it a point. It was 25 and a half exactly. last game, And he only had 25. Uh, this one is, though, like, to me, Anthony Davis set at 24 and a half. It, that, that feels like a, a good under spot for me because if they're just, if the, the goal is convince everybody that Anthony Davis is fine, no problems at all. Of course, you don't want to say Anthony Davis won't play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that you know that makes it easy for the Warriors. But could Anthony Davis play 15 minutes? Sure. Under 24 and a half is a gift if he plays. If he plays just a few minutes. So uh, the the question is, where does the scoring come from on the Golden State side? And Steph's prop is 31 and a half. It's always pricey, mm-hmm. as it should be. That feels like a lot. So if you say, okay, let's attack a secondary scorer, boy, you're really – it's a crapshoot because Wiggins has been a roller coaster. 17 is his total. Clay Thompson has been a roller coaster. What's Draymond 21 at? 21.5. Draymond, 9.5. Go over. Even money for the over. Go over. Excuse me, plus 100 <laughs> for the over. There. Go uh, over because so much was made about his performance in game five. And how when he scores double figures, the Warriors win. And he went, you know, did a lot of podcasting and was talking about his performance and everyone's pumping him up. He's going to shoot. Here's the one I'm going to give out. And I gave, I gave this out uh, last, last game as well. I'll do it again. Moses Moody over five and a half points. Jordan Poole being terrible in this series has opened the door for more Moses Moody minutes. And he hit the over in the like the first, I don't know, 15 minutes of the game because mm-hmm. he hit two threes. He is going to get opportunities. He's a better defender than Jordan Poole, and he's certainly a better offensive player in this series than Jordan Poole has been. Jordan Poole's been so inefficient uh, that I, they're more comfortable having Moses Moody on the floor. So I'll go over five and a half points again for Moses Moody. Don't hate it. Get your bets in, AJ. The NFL schedule is out, and uh, we are not going to do as good of a job as the Tennessee Titans social media that team strong, did strong yesterday. Uh, every team did their own sort of schedule release video. The Titans did the best one, so go on Twitter and, and go look at that. But the defending champion Chiefs will open up the season at Arrowhead on September 7th against the Detroit Lions. It's a fun game for week one. I'll take it. It's a fun game for week one. Chiefs six and a half point favorites in that game. So uh, it's a pretty high spread for the defending champs. Not a lot of love for the Lions. We'll see how the preseason goes uh, for them. There is six primetime games scheduled for the Chiefs, including a Monday night football game, Super Bowl rematch against the Eagles. Oh, that's good. 
That's, That'll be fun. Yeah. Uh, right now, that one, I believe the Chiefs are favored in that game against the Eagles. So any interest in Philly uh, on the road at Arrowhead plus three? No, thank you. I mean, it's certainly the way I'd lean, but I, I, I'm not looking to buck the uh, the Chiefs at home. So That's uh, Monday, the 20th of November. Okay. Uh, the Chiefs will play the Bengals, obviously uh, an AFC championship game rematch of the past two years. That's going to be New Year's Eve. That's also at home. How about these Chiefs getting all these marquee games at home? Yeah, Chiefs, uh, although they've got one marquee game on – oh, two marquee – two Sunday night games on the road, one at your Jets, one at Green Bay. Yes, uh, so, the Chiefs, by the way, against the Bengals, three-and-a-half-point favorites in that game. Yeah, so the teams that got the most appearances on Sunday night football this year, which is widely regarded as the marquee game, Chiefs get three, Cowboys get three, including one at your New York Giants. The Bills get three, including one against your New York Giants. Maybe we'll have to have a little wager there. The L.A. Chargers get three, including one against the Bills, which that should be fun. And uh, and the Eagles get three games as well on Sunday. Oh, actually, I'm wrong. Eagles only get two games on Sunday Night Football. So, uh, yeah, so Bills, Cowboys, and Chargers, and Chiefs getting four games on Sunday Night Football. So four of the uh, the big ones, I think. Other marquee games will have uh, the top two quarterbacks taken in the draft. Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud will meet week eight. The Panthers hosting the Texans. Uh, we will Is have... that a marquee game? Well, it's the top two picks in the draft. What time does that happen? It's just during the day. Yeah, just a noon start. Normal day. Texans, by the way, zero primetime games. They they should. "Eh, No thanks. There's a triple header on Christmas Day, which is a Monday. It'll begin with the Raiders at the Chiefs, and then the Giants at the Eagles, and Ravens at 49ers. Your Thanksgiving Day games, Packers at the Lions, Washington, I almost said it, Washington at Dallas, and then your primetime game, Seahawks hosting the 49ers. Okay, not a bad lineup. Not a bad, and we get a Black Friday game. We get year. a Black Friday game. That'll be the Jets hosting the Dolphins. So that's, right, that's a fun one. I would imagine that's got some playoff implications yeah. at that point in the year. So. And here are your international games. Week four, the Falcons and Jaguars in London. Week five, the Jaguars and Bills in London. So the Jags playing back-to-back weeks in London. I would imagine they stay there and do all the festivities during the week and stuff. You know what? Dude, so here's my question. Does that make you like Buffalo or Jacksonville? Jacksonville away from home for two weeks in London, Mm -hmm. in a foreign country, or Jacksonville acclimated and the Bills traveling? Jacksonville acclimated and the Bills traveling. Jack plus London's their home. That's they true. probably have more fans there than anybody. That's true. So they're they're going to be yeah they'll have practices during the week, but like they're going to be going around. Actually, maybe it's a distraction because they'll probably be going around doing a bunch of like meet and greets and events there uh, in London for the week. Or maybe they'll just invite fans to to the pitch like in Ted Lasso, and they'll get criticized. Uh, the Ravens and Titans will play a game in London on week six, week nine. Dolphins and Chiefs in Frankfurt, Germany. And week 10, the Colts and Patriots in Frankfurt, Germany. Favorites, by the way, in international games have done incredibly well. Oh, 20, so we like the Bills then. 29, the 9, and 1 straight up, 25, and 14 ATS. So favorites really do well so we can't in international games. Nah. Yeah. Can't do that. To hell with the advantage. Yes. So uh, spreads are out for all these games. Uh, Fez already hitting a bunch of them, so I'm sure we'll talk to him about that next week with the schedule out. Spreads are out for all of the games up on DraftKings, every single game of the season. It's a, it's a beautiful sight to see when you see NFL spreads already up for the entire season. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. How's your social battery right now, AJ? I know sometimes I get drained and it could be easy to ignore your social battery and just spread yourself too thin, you know, especially when it comes to social gatherings and maybe just things you're not in the mood for. Well, do you know the right amount of socializing you need to do to keep yourself balanced? Therapy can give you that self-awareness and you can build basically your routine that reflects what you need personally. Everybody's different in this way. That was a big driver for me when I was in therapy. 
I got a lot out of it, and it's so easy here. Give BetterHelp a try if you've said, I don't want to go out of my way to do this. It's all online. It's as convenient as can be, and it's suited to you. It's simple. Just fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Find your social sweet spot with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Vegas today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Vegas. AJ, it's important to me that the supplements that I take every single day are of the highest quality. And that's why ever since they jumped aboard as a sponsor with us, I've been drinking AG1 because for AG1, quality isn't just a buzzword. AG1's ingredients are heavily researched for efficacy and quality, and I love that every scoop has prebiotics, probiotics, digestive enzymes for my gut support, B vitamins for energy. It's got the magnesium and ashwagandha for stress support, also testosterone support, vitamin C and zinc to support my immune system. I don't get sick anymore. Well, you're welcome for introducing you to AG1. Yeah, but uh, I mean, this stuff is incredible. And so many people have asked me, are you just reading commercials? No, man. AG1 is actually legit. And there's a reason why I drink it every single day. It just makes taking care of my health so much easier in general. So if you want to replace your multivitamin and more, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 plus K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first subscription at drinkag1.com slash SOV. That's drinkag1.com slash SOV. Check it out. The Carolina Hurricanes are going to the Eastern Conference Finals. Yes, the Carolina Hurricanes beating the Devils in overtime 3-2 as they will advance to take on the winner. I almost said the Florida Panthers, but the winner of the Panthers and Maple Leafs. Panthers having a three games to one series lead. I mean, Florida versus Carolina is what every true hockey diehard lives for. Like, yes. Uh, that's that's old school, original six hockey, right? Mm-hmm. No? Mm-hmm. It, it's, I don't know. It's, 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 you know, two arenas where you're just never going to have to worry about ice conditions because of how cold it is outside. Yeah, exactly. Yes, absolutely. Exactly. Uh, but that's a good series win for Carolina. You know, Frederick Anderson really stepped up and, and had a, a great series in net. The Devils jumped out to a one nothing lead in this one, but could not sustain it. And uh, it was a goal scored by Brett Burns at the end of the second period that was the difference in this game. And when I say at the end of the period, I mean with under a minute left in the second period, Burns scored um, on a, a shot that was, you know, Akira Schmid was screened. Earlier in the period, the Devils had two or three incredible scoring chances and were unable to score, including Timo Meyer missing a wide open net. Uh, a- after an incredible play from Jack Hughes, Meyer missed a wide open net puck shot right through the crease. And it's just unfortunate the way that uh, it played out for the Devils, who had the best season in franchise history. But after playing seven games against the New York Rangers, unable to find the magic and the strength and the energy here against uh, a better, well, not really a better, but a better playing right now Carolina team. Who's Four games it. to one feels like better. Yeah, it's it's amazing that Carolina is doing it without, like, their elite scorers. Like, you know, Tara Vinen's out. Like, they're just... They're That's fi- a made-up person yeah. you just said. They're, they're finding ways to generate offense. They're getting scoring from their blue line and... They, they're just playing good hockey right now. And as I mentioned before, Frederick Anderson playing really well in net. So curious to see how they line up against either uh, Toronto or the Florida Panthers. And I say either or because that series is not over tonight. Mm, it's kind of over. Well, it's happened <laughs> more in hockey than in any other sport where teams have come back down from three games to none. And Toronto was able to get a win in game number four to avoid elimination and they'll try and avoid elimination tonight on home ice where they are heavily favored. Toronto is minus 170, total of six and a half. Toronto and Florida tonight. If you're looking at the uh, odds to win the Stanley Cup, Carolina is your favorite right now because we know that they're in the conference final. Sure. Uh, Edmonton is your second favorite, followed by Dallas, then Florida, VGK, Toronto, and the Kraken. 
uh, bringing up the rear. Well, speaking of VGK. Well, speaking of the Kraken first. Okay. They did their part for me, which is score a couple of goals. That's all they, I needed. They did that. Because uh, I was on the Stars. I was on the over. Uh, stars minus a goal and a half comes through again. The over comes through again. Every game these two teams have played this season has gone over. Regular season gift, or playoffs. The gift that keeps on giving. Just keeps going over. And last night, I looked at Circa, and it's like five and a half, and I go, why? I mean, I wasn't, I was saying thank you, but yeah, like, of course. I'm like, really? Like, I was about to like text Jeff Benson and be like, Hey, you're wrong here, but yeah, you guys are just wrong. You're blowing it. Oh, minus 120 to the Never over. Never do that. Minus though. 120 to the over. You're going to make me pay a little juice. We take, take, take from the books. Listen, listen to the, to the, to the great sharp bookmakers over at Circa. Thank you. I like it, the juice. <laughs> I, I get more juice. So you're, the total I'm seeing for game number uh, six here is six, which is smart. They should raise it because, like I said, every game has gone over. Dallas leading the series now three games to two. The series shifting back to Seattle on uh, Saturday night. But tonight, series tied at two games apiece, VGK and Edmonton here in Vegas. At the Fortress, the Knights. Vegas by a million, right? The Knights. Has to be. Slight dogs. Oh. Plus 110, Edmonton minus 130. Total is seven. Juice to the under. So I'm hoping that some six and a halfs come back on the board here because I would like an over six and a half. Um, But this has been such an interesting series because every game, game one was a battle. Right, game one was back and forth, and then everything else is like and five to one. Everything else is one sided. It reminds me a lot of what we saw in the Devils and Hurricanes series, where every game, with the exception of one, was at, well, even that one, every game's been one sided. So yeah, game one was a six four game, and then that's it. We've seen five one, five one, and four one. The zigzag has come through. No team has won back-to-back games in this series. That would make you lean towards Vegas. Uh, but for me, uh, I, I think that... You're looking for the over. I am. I think Vegas is live at home. I really do. But you know what? At seven, though, seven's an under. So if this thing stays at seven, the under's got to be the play. Okay. Yeah. I think if it stays at seven, it's got to be an under. But your projection is... I think it's going to go down to six and a half because okay. I think money's coming in on the under. All right. And then at six and a half, it's kind of like debate it. You okay. know, see where you want to play this one. So I guess get it in early now. Play the under under seven, which is juiced at minus 135. And then I like Vegas as a home dog, plus 110. Get a little life in the fortress here. No, I, I bet Vegas as a dog last game. Did not work out for me. But you got to zigzag, man. No, You forgot to zigzag. I forgot. I forgot. You're zigging when you should have zagged. I should have played plus five and a half. I would have been in good shape. Does Toronto <laughs> avoid elimination tonight? <sighs> I, we know they're getting eliminated. It's do the we? Toronto way. Do we? It's what they do. It would be such an incredible story if they came back from 3-0 to win the series. It really would be. And they're the better team. They yes, should. They are. But they're also a cursed franchise. Mm. I'm not betting on a cursed franchise. But were you impressed by Joseph Wall in net? I was. And I, I'm I, I'm a hockey expert. I don't know if you know this. <laughs> I said, uh, said bet Joseph the Maple Wall? Leafs in game yeah, four. This yeah. kid's good. They're not going to get swept. Now they won a game. All bets are off. They, they, they might be ready to go home now. They may be feeling good. Yeah. Uh, I have to play around with this a little bit here to see what happens right now. Yeah, I guess the under seven would be a play for me in the Golden Knights game. Six and a half between Toronto and Florida. It seems like after last game went under, and really every game has gone under in this series, feels like this game could buck the trend. Okay. Yeah. I feel like we're due for some goals. Could be like a 4-3 finish. Taking a look at the Major League Baseball board for tonight. The Reds are at the Marlins where... Uh, prized prospect Yuri Perez will make his major league debut for the Marlins against Graham Ashcraft and Cincinnati. Miami is a favorite, minus 145 at home. Total is low at seven and a half. I, I, 
I was thinking maybe first five. A lot five. of respect to that prized prospect. Yeah, I was thinking maybe first five under. See, the thing is, is, is Miami is such a low scoring first five team that it makes me like the under here because I know Miami's probably not going to score against Ashcraft. And you think that Perez, if he lives up to the hype, is going to be able to limit Cincinnati for at least uh, a few innings. I don't know how deep he goes into the ballgame. Matthew Boyd gets to start for the home Tigers, who uh, have strung together some wins lately against the Mariners. Mariners minus 125 on the road with Marco Gonzalez on the hill. Just seems like a big price. Seems like a, I don't really want to lay it with them with Marco Gonzalez on the road. Yeah, there's a few pitchers on the Mariners that I like. This isn't one of them. Yeah. And, and like I said, the Tigers have won some games lately. I believe they've won um, seven of their last nine games. So uh, Detroit, you know, playing some playing some good baseball as of late. The Mets are in D.C. to take on the Nationals. Tyler McGill against Mackenzie Gore. Mets a small favorite, minus 130. Uh, Gore gives them the pitching edge for D.C. So maybe uh, think about the Nationals as a home dog here. Yohan Oviedo gets the start for the Pirates, the struggling Pirates, against Kyle Bradish and the Baltimore Orioles. Baltimore minus 160. Pirates have lost nine of their last ten games. Oh, man, They've totally blown the lead that they had in that division. They were sitting at 20 and 8? Yeah, 20 and 8. Yep. Oh. yep, they're still in first place. Which is yeah, pretty but, crazy. But now we know they're not going to finish in first place. Yeah. It's Garrett Cold Day as he gets to start for the Yankees. 5-0 and record with a 2.09 ERA. Yankees hosting the Rays. Trevor Kelly is going to be the opener for Tampa as they try and uh, they haven't really finalized their pitching plan for this game as of yet. I don't like to bet on the Rays when, they've, when they're not pitching a, a real pitcher. Yeah. But I'd certainly, as good as Garrett Cole's been, I don't want to bet on him against the Rays. This would this seems like the game that the Yankees get in this series because just looking ahead for the weekend, um, tomorrow is Nestor Cortez and Shane McClanahan. So you certainly like um, the Rays there with McClanahan on the hill. And then Sunday, Zach Eflin against Clark Schmidt. Oh, so it just, like that. Exactly. It just feels like this is the game where Tampa's like, we'll give you one. We'll, gi- we'll give you one. We'll save our guys. All right. We'll give you one. Feels like this is the game that the Yankees win, uh, especially after losing last night. Spencer Strider gets the start for the Braves in Toronto against the Blue Jays. Chris Bassett goes for Toronto. Atlanta is minus 160. Strider 4-0 with a 2-7-0 ERA. This is a big price to lay for Atlanta in Toronto. But and Bassett's solid. Yeah, he's not great, but he, he's not Spencer Strider. But he's solid. That is a big number. You're right. I'd I'd look at the under if I was looking at anything. Eight and a half is the total for that one. Logan Allen gets a start for the Guardians at home against the Angels and Tyler Anderson. Cleveland minus one thirty total of eight and a half. Logan Allen one and one with a two seven zero ERA. Eight and a half in a Guardians game feels yeah. like a, a million. <laughs> I, I don't know if they can score runs. So. Yeah. It, That's it, the way it, I would It's been look. a tough go around. How about this pitching matchup, which I'm going to ask you to step in your time machine. Adam Wainwright against James Paxton. The Big Maple? The Big Maple is back. Uncle, Cardinal- Uncle Jemima, <laughs> I like to call him. James Paxton making his first major league start since April 6th. 1947. <laughs> April 6th. 2021 Damn. was his last start in the big leagues. And now he gets to start here at home for the Red Sox against the Cardinals. Cardinals, uh, Red Sox are a small favorite, minus 115. Total in this one is 10. This would have been a great pitching a matchup several number. years ago. Well, it's Fenway. Yeah. And Adam Wainwright's got a no, 7 you're right. You're right. right. It's a, that's the appropriate number. You're right. Yeah. But good for James Paxton, you know, fought his way through injuries and made a making a return to Major League Baseball. Dude is uh, 34 years old, so still has some t- still has some mileage left on those tires. The Cubs are at the Twins. Sonny Gray, 4-0, 1.35 ERA. 
is a minus 160 favorite against the Cubs. Drew Smiley on the hill for give me, Chicago. Give me the under here, too. Drew Smiley's been pitching really mm-hmm. well. Twins, not an elite offense. Certainly not an offense I want to pay minus 160 for. Uh, so under eight feels that with Sonny Gray on the mound. Yeah, I, I like that. And Sonny Gray has yet to give up a home run this season. That's how the that's how the Cubs tend to score their runs. Astros at the White Sox. Michael Kopech, who has not been good, uh, gets the start. JP France makes his second career start he looks for so the good Astros. In his first game, five shutout innings. Yeah, yeah he looked good. Um, Astros minus one forty on the road. Oof, that's a that's a price. Uh, but against the White Sox. Like Kopech, mm-hmm. yeah, that's the price I'd probably lay. Total eight and a half here. Corbin Burns gets the start for the Brewers against the Royals, and uh, looks like Josh Taylor is going to be the opener for Kansas City. Another so, made-up person. Yeah, don't know, don't know what the plan is for them uh, as far as who's going to be the bulk guy because you have an opener and a bulk guy. Milwaukee, heavily favored. I'd be a good bulk guy. Yeah. Minus 240 here for the Brewers. Phillies at the Rockies. Taiwan Walker goes for Philadelphia. Austin Gomber for Colorado. Philly minus 150 total. 11 and a half in Colorado. <laughs> 11 and a half. God. Yep. Uh, course field. Yeah. Geez. I, I wish I could say play the under, but I can't. It's course field. <laughs> it is. A cor- See, this was at 12, and I think money came in on the under. Wow. You know, so That's smart money. That's sharp money. Yeah. <laughs> Sharp money came in, uh, pushing this total down. Moving on, we got the uh, Giants at the Diamondbacks. San Francisco is favored in this one. Minus 125 with uh, John Brebbia getting the start against Ryan Nelson. Ryan Nelson actually uh, goes to my son's or went to my son's rival high school. So I'm familiar with his fine work. Uh, 125. With somebody with a damn near six ERA, mm-hmm. it feels a little pricey to me. And and let's not act like I mean the Diamondbacks are so far a better team than the Giants. Yeah, and, and they're at home. Uh, Rebia, that, that's a made up guy. Not to spoil the uh, baseball pod, but my co-host on the baseball pod, Griffin Warner, also likes the Diamondbacks. My, that's my guy. That's my spot. that's my college hoops podcast partner. He knows his stuff. Rangers at the A's. Ken Waldachuk gets the start for Oakland against Martin Perez for the Rangers. Rangers won 4-0 last night. Nathan Yavaldi won eight and two-thirds. Scoreless innings. I believe he's now up to like 28 and two-thirds. Scoreless innings. Nathan Yavaldi. That's pretty good. Listen, I'll say this. If he continues to do that for the rest of the season, mm-hmm. he won't lose another game. Well, that's true. Well, might not win a game, but he won't lose he won't a game. Lose one. Yeah, yeah, you, you can't say you he's going to win. You keep giving up no runs. That's true. Don't lose. That's true. Uh, Texas is minus 190. Man, totals I, eight and a half here. It's not a hitter-friendly park. The Rangers only scored four runs last you know night. You know what's hitter-friendly? Ken Waldachuk's hitter-friendly. Ken Yeah, that's, like, see, that's what I was going to say. He's the Coors Field of pitchers. Texas <laughs> is the highest-scoring offense in Major League Baseball. Again, they only scored four last night. It's not a hitter-friendly park, but you're right. It is a hitter-friendly pitcher. And Blake Snell gets to start for the Padres, who are road dogs in L.A. against the Dodgers. Dustin May, 4-1 and one with a 2.68 ERA. L.A. minus 145. That's a, it's a heavy price. That's, that's a heavy price. And Blake Snell, 1-5 on the season. Yeah, he he's, has not been good. Got to be better than that, right? Yeah. Or does Tol- he just suck? Maybe this is just who he is. At some point, you play to the back of your baseball card, but uh, at some point, the back of your baseball card changes. It does. Every year, they say. Every year, it changes. Uh, Total in this one is nine. Nine. UFC on ABC, number four in the way that the UFC orders them, coming up on Saturday. So, obviously, UFC, once they put it on, when they put it on, uh, Broadcast TV, network television, try to put their best foot forward, try to put on a good show. Some action fights on the card. One of the great action fighters in the UFC is Alex Morano. And Alex Morano joins us now on Straight Out of Vegas AM. Alex, how are you? Doing well, doing well. Uh, I was just right in, the, right in the middle of the weight cut. So this is probably the, the least fun part, but, but no, no, you know, no different than normal. One of the things that I've always, uh, at least, I think it has worked in your favor and I'm sure you got a lot of pressure from people early in your career to, to fight a weight class down. 
and you've always been like, no, I am comfortable here. This, and you're not, you're not a, a big welterweight by any stretch. You're probably a below average size welterweight, but your body seems to react better to, to fighting at this weight than if you, if you put a lot of pressure on yourself to, to make 155, right? Yeah. I don't even know if I could make 55, like, you know, I'm 25 pounds out right now and I'm like pretty lean running off very little. Um, but yeah, no, welterweight's always been a, a great weight class. I fought a couple of guys like a little smaller, fought at 180 a couple of times, like three times. So no, I, I feel super at home with the weight class and, uh, and yeah, and still have to make a decent cut. Well, and now you, you get on Saturday an opponent who is six, two, six, three ish, uh, an abnormally large welterweight and Tim means how do you, first of all, how do you train for a guy of that size, which is like, you know, most of your average training partners got not going to be that big. So how do you train to, to sort of mimic what you're going to see in the cage on Saturday? Yeah, thankfully, actually, there's a southpaw at my gym, young blood, tall and, and long and uh, naturally left-handed. So he's a good, good boxer, got some funky wrestling too. So he's been like my main drilling partner and actually got him here on fight week to like warm up with before the fight. And then, uh, and then at Fortis, there was no shortage of, uh, of welterweight southpaws. So, uh, you know, some guys not as tall, but, uh, but yeah, I think, I think Tim's like six, two, you know, thinner. And I've always done better with the longer guys. It's actually the shorter, more explosive guys that have given me more trouble in the past. Well, I, I know that you are, you, you like fighting guys who have a name, who like, you, you know, you're going to put on memorable fights with them. You know, these are guys who have been around the game for a long time. Uh, Tim Means certainly falls into that category. He's a, a, a longtime UFC veteran uh, and typically puts on a show. Like, do you expect him to go out there and be a, a, a willing participant in a, a fireworks show? Yeah, yeah, I sure do. He usually comes forward and, and, and likes to kind of mix it up with the striking. So I, I plan on not being pushed around the octagon. So I'm going to meet him in the middle. We're going we're gonna to throw some hands. How short is your memory? Because your last fight, you were in control of the fight. And within, you know, a couple seconds, I mean, it looked like you were going to coast to a victory, to be honest. And then the next thing you know, you get hit. Uh I, you know, I guess I should ask you about the stoppage. Did you feel like it was an appropriate stoppage? Did you, in hindsight, do you see why they stopped it? What What are your thoughts on that fight at, at this point? Yeah, I know it didn't look great, uh, but man, like I've been, I've been rocked before. I've been finished before. And man, I, I had vision on palms the entire time. Like even as he was following up, I was like, I was literally reaching for his, his glove with my legs in the air, ready to go to guard. I do wish I had a little more time to fight in that one. But I, I also could see why the ref thought it was uh, worse than it was. But yeah, it, biggest biggest lesson that was I got like a little too comfortable. I thought I, I would, you know, like you said, kind of coast to the win. Feel like the guy couldn't touch me, and like that's the one lesson to learn. Like you'll never ever get too comfortable in, in like a combat setting. How how different was that than the Nico Price fight? Like, did you did you feel like you were in the same zone there? Because that's another fight that it felt like you were on your way to win, and you actually had Nico in a lot of trouble. Like, do, do you feel like it was a similar situation and it, I, maybe you need like a reminder every five or six years to to never think that a fight's over until the ref's jumping on you? No, that one was different. And the Nico fight, I made like a pretty bad choice on like what strike to throw at which time. It was like an unnecessary, like high risk punch. And and I didn't see his shot coming. It was at the end of the round. So, that, I mean, I guess a similar lesson, but. I guess a similar scenario, but kind of a different lesson. But I'd rather not have those lessons anymore at all. So that's the plan. <laughs> so, like when you when you get knocked out or get stopped in a fight, like is it is something that, that sticks in the back of your mind for the next few fights? Do you fight differently, or is it is it something you just have to say, man, it's part of the game, and just move on? No, yeah, it's easy to move on for me, at least for those. How uh, how have you? I mean, obviously, you you changed your training regimen a few years ago and, and started going to Fortis. And you and I have talked in the past about what a difference it made for you. Do you still feel growth as you're there now? Like, is it was it a, a, a lot of growth up front and then you've kind of just you've changed your game or are you still experiencing growth there? Yeah, yeah, still a lot of growth. You know, they have a lot of really good high level pros there, plus more than anything, just the like the experience and, and uh, you know, kind of like battle tactics to coach safe, you know, are like unparalleled. He's truly best in the world. And, uh, and yeah, it's always cool to learn from him.
And is it something that where you see your like your teammates from Ford is having so much success? You saw Kennedy last week and have have great success. Like, is that something that gives you confidence that you know you're in the room with these guys? And if you're hanging with these guys who are, are winning fights at the UFC level, then you, you you should be able to win your fights at that level as well. Uh, I mean, yeah, I suppose you know I've always had a, a good win percentage in the UFC, but yeah, no, that it's definitely awesome to watch the teammates win as well. When you mentioned your your win percentage and you were on a four fight win streak before the the Pons fight, and I know you've said early in your career you don't really care about UFC titles. You want to what I don't remember what your number was. It was some ridiculous number, which seems very feasible now on how many fights you wanted to have, and you wanted to have highlight reels on YouTube and stuff like that. But like, had you won five straight fights, you're probably like suddenly in the conversation for rankings and, you know, maybe, maybe on to, to something massive. Like, do you let that set into your head? Like, man, I've won five fights in a row. This is uh like, I'm, I'm starting to climb a ladder here. I mean, now winning the fights is, you know, winning is kind of everything in MMA and, and more than anything, you know, winning the fight is great, but you know, getting that win bonus is, is, is what's best. So, I mean, no, I don't really care about any of the, you know, attributes that come with it. So long as I win the fights, I don't really care who I fight. Uh, how do you feel about the fighting on ABC? Like, this seems to me like a cool opportunity. Like, uh, you know, it, it's, it's one thing for people who have ESPN plus or whatever. And I, I think most people do most MMA fans certainly do. Everybody's got ABC. Uh, you're going to be on in, in a, a ton of houses. Like, is, is that an, a, an exciting thing for you? Uh, or does, does it make you want to put on more of a show? I know you're always sort of a showman, but is that a, is that an exciting feeling for you? Um, so just in terms of like how much focus these fights, you know, require, you could tell me that if I, you know, lose or dies, it wouldn't add any extra pressure. I mean, that's how, that's how much I'm already going to their win. But no, I actually fought on ABC once before when I fought Matt Semmelsberger, I was the feature right. pre and uh, that was on ABC and that was a good performance. So no, nothing new. And that doesn't, that doesn't really matter either. Uh, when you fight a guy like Tim Means, who is most people would say kind of on the way out and you, you had that same situation when you fought Donald Cerrone, uh, like is like, do you try and imagine that you're fighting like the prime Donald Cerrone or the prime Tim means to make sure that you go in there and you're, you're still in that, that killer mode? Yeah, you have to, man. Tim was just on a three fight win streak, like less than a you know year and a half ago. His last two fights were against, you know, good opponents. And no, I expect an extraordinarily tough fight. And uh, I know, like the the gambling in uh, MMA, you guys have been shut down on that thanks to uh, to somebody up in Kansas City. No names uh, needed, but uh, you are a pretty heavy favorite here. Uh, you know, and as always, it, would you say that looking to you for an inside the distance prop is the way to go? I know you're always looking to finish. I mean, yeah, but in literally every interview of every fight I've ever had. Uh, you know, I'm always going <laughs> to, so, I mean, yes, it's, I, I, it doesn't change kind of no matter, no matter the style of the opponent. Well, Alex, uh, appreciate you taking some time on uh fight. We, I know you got weigh-ins tomorrow, not always the, the most ideal time to catch the fighters uh, the day before weigh-ins, but appreciate you taking some time and uh, best of luck in the cage on Saturday. Hopefully next time we talk to you, we'll be back on a win streak. Uh, and hopefully there's some good violence in there uh, on Saturday on ABC. Cool. Thanks, man. That is the UFC's Alex Morano. Uh, should be a fun fight with him and Tim Means tomorrow night. All right. Actually, tomorrow afternoon. Uh, really, it's an, it's an early start, so be ready. Be ready for the early start. For my best bet for the card, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give out Pete Rodriguez and Natan Levy under a round and a half. You can get this at plus 105. Are these guys swingers? They are swangers in bank. Pete Rodriguez, like, I think his longest fight is like three minutes. <laughs> and his pre his so his pre-UFC experience literally added up to right around five minutes of cage time. And then he got to the UFC. Fought some really low-level guys to get there. Uh, he's a knockout hunter. And he's good at it. Don't get me wrong. But this is by far the best competition he's had. Levy is an elite athlete. Still kind of figuring things out, what his actual approach is going to be, but he generally has proven he's going to bring entertainment and, and violence consistently. Gas tank's still a question, but if his gas tank 
if it diminishes, I think it opens up a chance for him to get knocked out. I think Levy gets it done early, but Pete Rodriguez has been so good at knocking dudes out early that maybe it's him. Either way, I don't care. One of these guys, I want him to go to sleep early. Under one and a half rounds, Pete Rodriguez, Natan Levy. You can get that at plus 105. And you'll have a uh, full card out for this tomorrow? Full card is available right now at pregame.com. And you can take $30 off that card or anything you'd like to purchase at pregame.com. Actually, if you're a new member, you can get two free best bets. How do you do that? Well, New members that sign up at pregame.com right away off the bat, $25. We give that to you. That's very, that's very friendly. Of Spend it how you'd like. Now, if you use our promo code, you'll get a $30 coupon. So if you're a new member and you sign up, bang, $55. You can use that anything you'd like at the website. Yeah. That's yeah. nice, of, nice yep. of you. It's Mother's Day. Was this your idea? No, no. I don't like giving away money. Oh. I like giving away winners. Okay. So that we can make money. Yeah. It's Mother's Day this Sunday. I know. Did you get your mom a present? Uh, I'm going to say yes. But you haven't. I'm going to say yes. But you haven't. But I said yes on the podcast. Which, okay. So people listening hear me say, yes, I did get a gift. That's going to put the pressure on you to actually get one now. But I already did because I said I did on the podcast. Okay. Got it. Thank you. So Mother's Day is on Sunday. So in honor of all the moms out there, the promo code for this podcast is going to be MOM30. That's sweet. MOM30 will get you $30 off at pregame.com. Now, we have a special rest of May all-access package available at pregame.com. Basically, you can pick your favorite pregame pro and get every pick in every sport for the rest of the month. And you can take $30 off of that rest of May package by using the promo code MOM30. That's nice. <laughs> uh, I'm leaving in the laughter because you, the audience, will never hear what was cut out of the pod. But I, trust me. didn't type in the mark that we are going to edit that. Me, <laughs> it was gold. <laughs> Maybe we'll reveal it on our next episode. Yeah. Mom 30, $30 off, pregame.com. For AJ Hoffman, I'm Scott Seisenberg. We are straight out of Vegas AM.